Back to throw, Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the defensive backs are going to get their go on the training camp roster preview series. We'll break it down into cornerbacks and safeties. Safeties tomorrow, corners up today. We'll talk about separation created stats among wideouts and corners and the value of contested catches. And we'll put those two together and look at one of the premier matchups at Dolphins camp. I'll give you some of the best quotes from Jerome Baker's Reddit Ask Me Anything from Tuesday morning, and I'll get some thoughts on Last Chance You and a food delivery service app that did me wrong on Monday night. All of that and more on this Tuesday, August 11th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. One of my favorite things about doing the podcast and having the kind of open line of communication with the fans of the team and listeners of the show is that when something comes across my timeline or across my desk or whatever you want to call that, that's good enough for an entire show topic. And we're going to get into the cornerback preview here in just one moment on the podcast. And I'm stoked for that because I have tons of good nuggets on these guys in that room. And I've also tweeted before about some of the potential matchups we're going to see at Dolphins training camp practice. These are the guys that will go up against the cornerbacks, the wide receivers, and about the importance of separation created. It's a long-form study produced by 538.com. It was written by Josh Hermsmeyer, and it was brought to my attention on Twitter by user at DWildemuth. Thank you, Mr. Muth. And they created and measured a stat called separation over expected, a stat that accounts for the number of variables like distance of target, route ran, the coverage, the quarterback's arm strength and anticipation skills. A multitude of statistics went into this idea. And of course, as we do here on Drive Time, I wanted to relate it to the Dolphins and their receivers. So the first graph in this story is a cumulative average separation chart by distance or yards of the target. And it dates back to 2017. So it's a three-year study. And they differentiate between play action and non-play action passes, which of course makes sense because that deception on the play call can create some hesitation by even a step or two by the defensive back. And that changes the idea of the study. So using non-play pass, the average separation on a pass at zero yards right at the line of scrimmage is about four yards of separation, essentially your screen calls, right? And that distance stays similar up through about eight to nine yards off the line. Then it starts to tail off. By the time you're down the field 12 yards, that average separation created has already dropped to a full yard down to three yards of separation. Get to 20 yards downfield, it's at two and a half. And by 30 yards, it's all the way down to two yards of separation. So where am I going with this? Well, you listen to the show, you know there's always an end destination to what we're talking about here. I'm heading for the forest to the forest to find some trees, and those trees are called Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. And the Dolphins don't have any players on the highest separation versus expected or the worst SOE list on these short targets, the quick targets under 10 yards, and that's primarily going to be your inside guys like slot receivers, tight ends, running backs, 
And that makes sense, right? The guys that uncover the quickest inside, they're closest to the quarterback. And we also don't have anybody on the best or worst list for intermediate passes. And the further you get into the study, that's where my point starts to really resonate about what this list means for contested catches and separation of the receivers in the NFL. And you look at the list of the worst separation over expected in the intermediate portion of the field. DeAndre Hopkins, who for my money is the best damn receiver in the league, is on the bottom of that list. Not only his 2019 season ranks dead last, his 2018 season is third from bottom. You've got T.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay twice on the list. Allen Robinson, Julio Jones is on that list. So let me get to the deep balls, and we do have a Dolphin on one of the lists. It's Devontae Parker, and it's on the bottom of the list. He's surrounded by the likes of Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Larry Fitzgerald, Jarvis Landry, even Tyler Lockett, who is known for his vertical exploits down the football field. All of those guys are on this list. Now, I may have lost you again as you wonder, Travis, where the hell are we going here? Well, just buckle up and let me drive us there. When scouting players at the college level, I've seen the debate about contested catches. I remember T. Higgins last year from Clemson making play after play after play. Eventually, he goes to the 33rd overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I came across a comment one time, and I forget who it was from. Draft Twitter is a vast, vast place, saying that those contested catches make said scout wary because he should be creating more consistent separation at the college level. But the other side says at a certain point, That's just who a player is, a guy that can out-rebound everybody at any given time. And something of a sidebar that I think factors into the conversation, I was on Twitter again earlier in the week, and Lance Zerline, who we reference on this podcast all the time from NFL.com, was showing off some Rondale Moore clips, the Purdue wide receiver who will enter the draft next year, about how he patiently attacks the cornerback and gets the corner to commit his play side or boundary side hip and then cross his face accordingly. And a former NFL player in that thread, I think it was Darius Butler, said the cornerback has to know that in a 4 by one formation, the backside receiver, the one of the 4 by one he has to know the likelihood of that route being a slant is a very, very high likelihood. And some other NFL guys replied in the conversation turned into how tough it is to create consistent separation at the NFL level. Cornerbacks just do not let you get wide open at this level. And that's where this entire point comes to its climax. If Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, the game's premier receivers are creating minimal separation, then how do we think they are catching 100 balls for 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns every single year? Because they catch contested footballs. And that was Devontae Parker's game last year. It's been his game since forever. I broke this down on the wide receiver pod a couple weeks back, talking about his ability to use his frame to force the defender to try to play through him, and that can cause either a lack of play on the ball or a pass interference call. We saw it in Devontae's rookie year. We saw it with Tannehill, Cutler, Matt Moore. We saw it a ton last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The passes against the Eagles, the touchdown in the Jets game at home, the touchdown against the Giants, the flea flicker against the Bengals, that post route in the opener against Baltimore. It's become his signature signature play, skying above the defensive back and pulling the football down contested. The signature play that created the second most yards on contested catches in the NFL last year, according to rotoballer.com. He had 400 yards. That was second to Kenny Galladay in Detroit. He was fourth on playerprofile.com's completed air yards. That's attacking vertically down the football field. Fifth in total distance of target. Number five in terms of volume deep targets. And fourth in the NFL in yards gained on passes thrown 20 plus yards downfield with 478 yards there. And second in touch touchdowns on those deep passes with five. 
and he was eighth in the league in contested catch rate at 51.4%. How tough does that have to be on a defensive back who's in prime position with no separation whatsoever and Devontae still pulling down more than half of those balls even when the coverage is good. It's like in baseball. You do your job, right? You hit a line drive into the gap and the right fielder comes over and dives and makes a great catch. You hit the ball as hard as you could, but it just went right to a guy. It's the same idea here. Preston Williams was 10th in average target distance per playerprofile.com. He was 14th in contested catch rate, pulling down 47.6% of those contested footballs. He was 57th in yards on passes thrown 20 yards or more down the field with 143, but that was from half of a season. You prorate that to 286 yards, doubling it up, and he's in the top 20 there as well. So vertical passing threats with that height, who excel in a game where the average separation is less than two yards that far down the field. That is an exciting development that we had in 2019 and hopefully continues on into 2020. And back to Parker here real quick as a little transition into our cornerback preview. I want to start adding in some camp battles that I'm super intrigued by over the next couple of days here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. And to clarify, not actual position battles like who's going to win the slot cornerback job or who wins the right tackle, right guard, whatever offensive line position is up for grabs, but the best matchup that we get with regards to the one-on-one matchups or in the team periods going against each other and it's got to be Devontae Parker on Byron Jones. I like the idea of doing something of a tale of the tape on these, and since we already gave you the rundown on Devontae Parker's data and what led to him being the fifth leading receiver in the entire National Football League, fourth among all wideouts, and this battle of contested catches that I can't wait to see on the field, let's talk about Byron Jones, who was near the top of the leaderboard in so many big-time advanced metric categories. Player profile had him at number two in yards per target allowed, number seven in total cumulative yards allowed on the season, number nine in receptions allowed, and he was fourth in catch rate allowed. So that tells you that he too is frequently in good position. But as we learned from Devontae Parker's stats, that doesn't always matter because when Unk wants the ball, Unk's going to go get it. And I'm not much for fantasy football, but they do have Jones at number one in fantasy points allowed per coverage snap, number five in points allowed per target, number three in total fantasy points allowed, and fourth in catch rate and fourth in their stat that they call a coverage rating. So top five across the board there in terms of permitting fantasy guys from going off against him on the offensive side of the ball. And let's do one more here for good measure. Here's a next-gen stat. The details tight window throws as created by NFL Next Gen Stats. 50% of throws to Byron Jones last year to his man in coverage wound up being what they considered tight window throws, as I put air quotes on a podcast. It has never worked in the history of podcasts, but I'll keep on doing it. But 50% of throws at Byron Jones' man last year were tight window throws. That was by far the best in the NFL. Number two was Jameel Dean of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He forced 40.8% of throws at his man to be into tight windows. Trey Herndon and Casey Hayward were next on that list. And for good measure, the two all-pro cornerbacks and Stephon Gilmore and Trey White were 30th and 24th in that stat, respectively. So some good company there for Byron Jones to be in. So when it is Jones versus Parker, there's going to be tight coverage because there almost always is in the NFL, especially going up against a cornerback like Jones who can stay in that hip pocket so well. There's going to be an all-out, no-holds-bar battle, a cage match, only instead of trying to go up and get a championship belt off the top of the cage, they're trying to pull footballs down. 
And that satisfies my wrestling reference quota here on the podcast for the rest of the entire season. Let's go ahead now and transition up to the piece on MiamiDolphins.com as we continue on, as we have for a couple of weeks now, taking a look at every position on this Miami Dolphins roster with the training camp roster preview series. And today we do go in to the cornerback room that was coached last year by Josh Boyer. This year, Gerald Alexander takes things over as Boyer gets the promotion to defensive coordinator. And there's so many cool stats in this group from Pro Football Focus and otherwise I want to go ahead and go through some of that stuff for you guys here on this edition of drive time we start again in order of jersey number which means number 22 tay hayes is up first his first accrued season last year in the nfl entering number two with the miami dolphins appalachian state product number 23 on the jersey and he was really thrust as some of these guys were late in the season into that sink or swim situation get on the field how can you perform and he did really well from the metric standpoint the december waiver claim was targeted 16 times in two games 107 snaps on defense 20 on special teams so he got here and he played right away and on those 16 targets he allowed three completions that's 18.8 percent completion for 55 yards 3.44 yards per target and just for a reference point on that last stat the best guys in the league are usually up around nine yards per target the best receivers and that kind of mendoza line where it's like above average or below is right around seven seven and a half yards per target so tay hayes although on a very short sample size 3.44 yards per target with two pass breakups and a passer rating against of just 41.4. He also chipped in with seven tackles, three of those for run stops. He earned comprehensive praise for his coverage and tackling from Brian Flores last year, who said, quote, Tay jumped right in and played a significant amount of snaps last week in his first game against Cincinnati. He made a few plays and was competitive on most of the coverage. I thought he tackled well. It's a good start. I think we need to build on that in practice, meetings, and walkthroughs, and hopefully duplicate that type of performance again, end quote. Up next, we talked about him already a little bit, the Dolphins free agent signing in the offseason at the position, Byron Jones, five seasons there in Dallas coming over for his first in Miami, number 24, he was 31 in Dallas, so 24 here, out of Connecticut, 27 years old on opening day, still a very young player, and there are many traits to point to Byron Jones, really, as the quintessential cornerback, he's durable, he missed one game in five years, he's physical and effective against the run, 349 career tackles, he's versatile, 2,067 career snaps as a corner, 2,836 as a safety. And most importantly, he is a blanket in coverage. Since switching to cornerback full-time in 2018, Jones has allowed 76 catches on 136 targets. That's a completion rate of just 55.8%. And we heard Flores talk about Jones on his Monday media availability earlier in the week, talking about a smart, tough player, a guy that can tackle, good coverage skills, good length, good leadership qualities, a talented player that we're happy to have. And speaking of that toughness, there was a play a couple of years back, I forget the game, I forget which year exactly, where they showed Byron Jones' knee kind of pop out of place there. He pops it back in, stands back up, doesn't miss a snap, tough, durable player in Byron Jones, and He is an athletic marvel to the T. Blew the doors off the 2015 NFL Combine. He paced all DBs in several categories, like the vertical jump at 44.5 inches, the broad jump, which is still a world record to this day, at 147 inches, three cone, 6.78 seconds, 20-yard shuttle under 4 seconds, a 60-yard shuttle under 11 seconds. He has rare length and athletic combination, and that makes him a difficult task for receivers to earn clean releases on when he lines up in that press man coverage. He has the relative athletic scorecard of near perfection, Kent Lee Platt's RAS scorecard, out of 10, which takes all athletic 
athletic testing at the combine pro days and stuff and puts it into an ultimate score out of 10. He ranked 996 on that scorecard. Again, that world record broad jump and the 44 and a half inch vertical, just ridiculous testing metrics there for Byron Jones and playerprofile.com to reference them once more has him ranked second in yards per target allowed at 5.1 last season. He allowed the ninth fewest receptions per game in 2.2 and the fourth fewest yards with 351 and he ranked fourth in both coverage rating and catch rate allowed last year among all National Football League cornerbacks. Up next on our list, another guy that locks things down on the outside, Xavier Howard, four seasons here in Miami, entering number five, number 25 out of Baylor, 27 years old on opening day. So both he and Byron Jones, 27 years old. Since X entered the league back in 2016, he has as many interceptions, 13, as touchdowns allowed per pro football focus. He's limited opposing quarterbacks to a 75.3 passer rating and a completion rate of just 55.4%. Playing the football and disrupting the timing of the passing game are two of the feathers in Howard's cap, but he's also a very efficient tackler. 140 tackles, 24 missed opportunities, so an 85% tackle rate. Very good numbers out there on the edge. He plays the game with physicality and confidence. Nothing is easy when facing 25 in Aqua. He will challenge receivers every step of the way on the route, at the line, at the top of the stem, at the catch point. I thought the interception last year in the Pittsburgh game going up against Juju Smith-Schuster was a great example of how physical and how challenging he can be to a receiver every step of the way, making you earn everything you get. The Dolphins extended Howard in the spring of 2019, and Brian Flores had this to say about the abilities of X, quote, he's got good length, he's got good strength at the line of scrimmage, he's got really good ball skills, he tackles well, I think he's just a good overall player. Again, he doesn't have all the answers, he's not the perfect player, I don't think there is one. Obviously, it's an imperfect game, but he does a lot of the things that we like, and he's a team player, end quote. Up next on the cornerback preview, jersey number 30 for the Miami Dolphins, Nate Brooks, another one of these guys that came in late last year and had some pop. His first season in the NFL last year, second entering here with the Dolphins out of North Texas, 24 years old. He signed as an undrafted free agent with the Cardinals in 2019, found his way onto the Patriots practice squad then on December 10th. The Dolphins signed Brooks and elevated him to the active roster. He played three games for the Dolphins, totaled 91 snaps on defense and 14 on special teams. He started the Week 17 win in New England and played the third most snaps among Dolphins cornerbacks in that game. He permitted only two catches on five targets, playing 28 of his 30 snaps as a perimeter corner. He broke up one pass, didn't miss a tackle on 11 attempts all season long, and also chipped in with a run stop. So some late season success there for Nate Brooks, Tay Hay, some of the guys that got called up late in the year and performed well down the stretch for the Miami Dolphins. Another guy that got called into the lineup after not playing much early on is Ken Webster, his first accrued season last year, entering number two with the Miami Dolphins, number 31 out of Ole Miss, 24 years old on opening day. And again, he played sparingly through the first three games of the season, just nine snaps on defense. And then he was called up for 270 snaps the rest of the way. He made 19 tackles and didn't miss one. 100% tackler on the edge. He was terrific at getting ball carriers to the ground, wrapping, squeezing, pulling them down. And four of those tackles were run stops within two yards of the line of scrimmage. And among some other young cornerbacks, he earned some praise from Coach Flores for what they bring to the table. Quote, I think those guys play hard, talking about Ken Webster. They work the techniques. They try to be physical at the line of scrimmage. All those guys can run pretty well. We're trying to develop everyone on the team. I think you 
can kind of see some progress in the back end with those guys. Look, they're all hardworking kids. It's very important to each one of them. They listen, they're attentive, and they've had a little bit of production, end quote. He was talking about Nick Needham and Ken Webster in that quote right there. And on the topic of young cornerbacks on this Dolphins roster, Jamal Perry is up next. First season in the NFL, entering number two here with the Miami Dolphins. I should say first accrued season. He was on practice squads prior to that. And first up, he was Jamal Wiltz last year, and the name spelling of his first name was J-O-M-A-L. It is now J-A-M-A-L as he made that name change in honoring his stepfather. And Jamal wears number 33 out of Iowa State, 25 years old on opening day. He was signed by the Eagles before making his way to the Patriots practice squad as an undrafted free agent in 2017. That's where he played under 2018 defensive coordinator there for the Patriots in Brian Flores. He had 58 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a pick last season. His versatility was what most intrigued the Dolphins to go ahead and bring Wilts down here to Miami. As Flores discussed what made the Dolphins want to go after a couple of Patriots like Eric Rowe and Jamal Wiltz and now Jamal Perry, of course. Here's what Flores had to say, quote, I think they're both smart. I think they both play disciplined football. I think they work hard and they tackle. They're pretty good cover guys. I think they're versatile. They can play multiple positions. And again, they have familiarity with how we do things. And I think that's helped some of the other guys here on the roster, end quote. Up next, we talked about him already, Nick Needham, first season last year, undrafted out of UTEP, Texas, El Paso, entering year number two as a pro here with the Miami Dolphins. He wears number 40, 23 years old on opening day, and the evolution of Nick Needham's season last year really was one of the more intriguing storylines individually on this 2019 Miami Dolphins team. He starts that preseason opener and then began the year on the Dolphins practice squad and didn't get the call up until week six, but he never looked back from that point forward. In that NFL debut, he pitched a coverage shutout with no catches allowed on three targets and playing 17 coverage snaps. Also had a pass breakup in that game, and his workload would then increase each week for the next month as he settled into a starting position on the outside at cornerback. He allowed only a completion percentage of 59 and a half. He picked off two passes, made 54 tackles with just seven missed attempts as a tackler. He also made 17 run stops, very involved up around the line of scrimmage. And he registered five quarterback pressures on just 15 pass rush reps. That's easy for me to say, including one sack last year. So 33% of the time getting home as a rusher and then one time getting that sack as well. Flores talked last November about Nick Needham after a two-game stretch where he held quarterbacks to a 50% completion rate and a 4.06 yards per target. And the initial impression that Needham gave the Dolphins, Brian Flores and Josh Boyer, Flores says, quote, Josh Boyer, it's March, and he says, I think I've got a kid from UTEP who's pretty decent, and when he says pretty decent, that means he's probably pretty good. We brought him in as a free agent, and he did some good things in OTAs. He had some struggles like most rookies do in the preseason and wasn't quite ready, so we put him on the practice squad. This is the National Football League. That's the journey of a lot of guys in the NFL. It's part of their journey, I should say. He spent a few weeks on the practice squad. I think getting released and going through the process took him through a little bit of the reality of what the NFL could be. It could be over in a heartbeat. He embraced that challenge and turned things around quickly. And I would say he took everything a little bit more seriously. Meetings, practices, walkthroughs, weightlifting, nutrition, end quote. And I think that that type of work ethic and that type of mentality and that type of story and journey that Flores talks about there can really resonate in the locker room and kind of have an impact on other guys like he talked about with Eric Rowe and Jamal Wiltz kind of helping guys get acclimated 
And a story like this can really provide some backdrop for some guys that want to, you know, cut out a role in this league and cut out a role on this team and work their way into it. If you work hard enough and make enough plays, you can get out there too. And up next on our list here is Picasso Nelson Jr. Noah Crude Seasons entering his first with the Miami Dolphins. Number 45 out of Southern Miss, going to be 24 years old on opening day. He was added to the roster earlier this month back on August 3rd. He spent last season with the Colts practice squad after signing as a UDFA. He played 50 games in college at Southern miss picked up 202 tackles 15 pass breakups five picks and a forced fumble he also earned academic all-conference honors and the southern miss best male citizen award in 2018 he ran a 448 at his pro day back in 2019 and had a 39 inch vertical and 128 inch broad jump so very explosive player there in those testing metrics finally speaking of explosion another rookie here first round draft pick number 30 overall out of auburn he's number 46 on the roster he's been wearing number 23 out there in practice, but that's not quite official just yet. So he's going up here on the piece as 46. Noah Igbenogany. Igbenogany for those of you trying to get that down still. 20 years old on opening day. This guy's still a pup. His coaches at Auburn could not say enough about his passion for the game and competitive toughness on Saturdays. Here's what Gus Malzahn had to say. He's one of the defensive leaders. He has a presence about him. He played with a lot more confidence this spring. He plays with an edge that carries over for a lot of people, end quote, talking about the impact you can have in your will and your desire and how it impacts your teammates. Here's what Auburn defensive backs coach Wesley McGriff had to say about Igbenogany's attitude. It's phenomenal. There were times we had to run him out of the building, end quote talking about him putting in the extra work and them saying, hey, dude, go home, go be a kid, go like relax and enjoy the rest of your night. And he was in there working. And that work ethic pairs well with some very eye-popping athletic traits that he has. A former high school triple jump national champion, Igbenogany displayed rare athletic ability at this year's scouting combine, 448 in the 40, 37-inch vertical, 128 inches on the broad, that checked in in the 88th percentile among cornerbacks. Chris Greer talked about the draft pick after the Dolphins made the selection on uh, the first round back in April, talking about the five foot 11, 197 pound corner. He was the best player on the board for us. We felt really good about Noah. We got to know him. This is a passing league, as everyone says. You can never have enough cornerbacks. Brian Flores came from a really good defensive team when we hired him, and they had a lot of corners as well. At the end of the day, the way this league is offensively, it's a premium position, and the more you have, the better. It breeds competition. He's a competitive kid that we really liked in the process. And Igbenogany was a receiver convert, played the first two years there at Auburn at receiver, moved over to cornerback, and he posted an impressive stat going up against some of the country's best receivers there in the SEC. You know about Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson there at LSU. You know about Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle at Alabama. This guy went toe-to-toe with some of the best, and on 879 coverage snaps in his college career, he surrendered just three touchdowns over the course of almost 900 coverage snaps. So Noah Igbenogany rounds out our cornerback room, a good deep-looking room here in Miami. And that leaves us with just the safeties and the specialists to get to on tomorrow's podcast. We'll cover the safeties and play some sound for you guys on that podcast as well. Very excited for all that. Some more content coming your way this week. We also had Jerome Baker do a Reddit AMA, a Ask Me Anything, earlier on Tuesday morning. And he really covered a variety of topics, including some of the funniest players in the Dolphins team, the energy source that was Christian Wilkins, that is Christian Wilkins. So go check that out. I'm going to read back three answers for you guys right here that I thought were the best from his entire thing. Up first, talking about 
what Coach Flores and playing for Coach Flores is like compared to other coaches. Here's what Jerome had to say. Coach Flo is a unique coach. What I mean by that is he learns you, the players, and he tries in any way to get you to play at the maximum level. If it's challenging you with words, if it's challenging you mentally, he does everything to get you to be the best player you can be. He does a great job establishing trust with guys. Once you establish that, you can really push guys to their limits so they can be their best. I really appreciate that about about Coach Flo. He does a great job with that. And we've heard that before, right, from a couple of the Patriots guys, the McCourty twins, the McCourty brothers, talking about how he's tough but de- or demanding but also loving in that same regard. So Jerome Baker kind of echoing those sentiments. Another question that was asked to Jerome was the best part about playing in Miami, and he said he loves the Miami temperature, the Miami weather, how 90% of the year he wakes up and the sun is just beaming on his face, and it gives him the energy that I need to get up. I just love the weather, just waking up with the sun in your face. It really gets your day going, so I really appreciate that. I'm from Cleveland, so that's why, LOL. And I hear that, Jerome, because the other day on the way to work, I was driving in and thought, man, I know it's August right now. It's going to be this way anywhere around the country. But those December and January days driving to work, you know, at 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning when the sun's barely coming up and it's still very, very frigid and cold out there and you have to go warm your car up, we're not going to have that down here. So I feel that 100%, Jerome. Could not agree more. Never have to scrape the ice off my windshield again. And I am so thankful for that fact. So go check that out for yourself. It's on Reddit, the R Miami Dolphins subreddit. Jerome Baker, ask me anything. They have it pinned to the top of the page there. He talks about players that he studied growing up, the hardest running backs to tackle, tons of good content in that story or that ask me anything up on Reddit. And let's go ahead and get into this real quick because I want to talk about two more things in this podcast before we jet out of here. Who else is a big fan of, of the show Last Chance You. This season with John Beam, which every time I say that name, I can't help but mispronounce it like the whiskey, but it is what it is. And I think he's the reason this season, I'm only three episodes in, but this season is by far the best one in the entire series. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all about the villain on TV shows. My favorite character in Silicon Valley is Gavin Belson by a mile. My favorite character in The Office is Ryan, which I know everyone hates that answer. I love the character that causes the conflict in the show, but when you go to Jason Brown and Buddy Stevens, the previous two coaches, that that wasn't really coaching. It was more just yelling and cursing at players and demeaning them, and that was something else entirely. It's great to see the mutual respect that Beam here at Laney College in the fifth season of Last Chance U and his players share, and how cool is it that he coached Devon Best, former Dolphins receiver, back in high school. And three episodes in, I'm sure I'll get some mentions here on Twitter that serve as spoilers, but who else can you talk about besides Dior Walker, the receiver slash quarterback, sleeping in his car, a very fractured relationship with his father, a position change, and still he balls out. And that's kind of the entire roster to this point in the show. A bunch of kids that just have these gut-wrenching stories, but somehow turned out to be great kids. And that's the definition of compelling television for me. And with my wife and daughter back home in the state of Washington, miss you guys, I'm watching plenty of Netflix, so I'm going to go ahead and pump out a bunch of these Netflix Last Chance You episodes probably this week and finish this thing up. And I can't pronounce his name and I won't even try, but the Polynesian kid with the two kids himself and watching him be a father to those little girls, that kind of stuff just hits me differently these days. And I I really, really enjoy that storyline as well. Highly, highly recommend the show. Like, make it the next show in your queue. And if you haven't seen any of the previous seasons... 
You don't have to go back and watch it in order, but I would. I would start with number one, just so you can see the evolution of the coaches, the show covers at the three different programs there at East Mississippi Community College and uh, Independence there in Kansas, I think it is, and now at Laney College in Oakland. And by the way, in season one, a current Miami Dolphin is in there and wide receiver Kirk Merritt. Let's go ahead and close this podcast up with the customer complaint of the day. I won't say which one it is, but I tried using a food delivery service app for the first time last night. Second time last night, check that. Second time I used this app and things did not go well. Is it always like this when you order food to your place? I put the order when I left the facility right around 6.30 or so. It says the food will be at my place at 7.15. That's absolutely perfect. Let's go. The Heat are playing. I'm all set for the night. I get home. It updates to say my new delivery time is 7.35 to 7.45. Not great, but not a big deal either. Finally, at 7.40, and the app changes to arriving soon. Boom, baby. We are flying. Food is going to be here any second now, only it wasn't. It stayed there on the arriving soon up until 8.15, and I finally started to get a little bit concerned that maybe it wasn't coming, so I call the restaurant, and they said the order never came in. So why is the app updating the status if the order never came in? Like, what is it in the program that's causing this? So they take my order. It gets to my house an hour later. You want to talk about the hangries? Oh, buddy. Never again with that app. I will take your recommendations on which of the food delivery service apps is best. Please let me know because I need it. I am bachelor lifestyle right now. I'm not going to cook every night. I'll cook sometimes, but not a big fan of cooking. So let me know which of the food service delivery apps is the very best out there. And with that, let's go ahead and get out of here. As you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. There's a new episode of Dolphins Today up on the website, up on YouTube. Check that out. The Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com, your daily source for all things Miami Dolphins football. Until next time, fins up.